all right uh, hey dipratik hey sanjeev yeah thanks a lot for dropping on this edition of our podcast so i would like to quickly introduce pratik to all our listeners pratik is currently the director of marketing at intrust a company based in uh, california prior to this he was actually a founding member of afnox a cybersecurity company based in uh, singapore and uh, he has been an entrepreneur ever since his um, college days and pratik is a man who has uh, who continues to wear many hats so uh, pratik i would um, now ask you to take us uh, you know through your journey uh, of being an entrepreneur take it away man yeah sure sanjeev thanks a lot for that uh, introduction um it it's it's been a, a kind of a roller coaster ride for me um, uh, as you know i started my first company when i was 19 um and in my second year of engineering i don't to be honest i don't think i knew what i was exactly doing at that point uh, being a 19 year old but i was pretty determined on one thing and that was to figure out how to make my own money i think uh, a large part of that is because i i spent half of my childhood in bombay and then the other half in a small town called raipur which is the capital of chatisgarh um and when my parents moved to raipur um, in 2001 uh, it was you know a, a tiny town but as i continued to make more friends there and spend about 7 years there uh, most of my friends belong to Uh, the local business community and raipur is um, a popular business hub in central india and you know kind of facilitates movement of a lot of goods through the country so as i used to go hang out with my friends at their homes i used to always be excited to know what um, their parents are doing or their uh, you know the kind of businesses they run and these were all more traditional brick and mortar businesses but it always used to keep me excited um so i think that was where you know that seed of entrepreneurship kind of got implanted in my head i didn't know what i really wanted to do but i knew at some point i wanted to do something of my own um fast forward to my engineering days um, i had one of my uh, classmates who kind of shared the same uh, you know thought process and you know we used to sit uh, at the back bench and you know scribble um certain ideas about software products and we were both good at uh, writing code um we wanted to figure out something that was easy to take to market so we the, the first startup was actually not at all uh, you know ingenious it was a simple software services company uh, we went around spent about the first week going to different shops um and trying to figure out what are certain challenges that they face so that we could come home and then figure out what software can solve that problem so we identified you know uh, medical stores and a few other these local businesses they did not have anything for inventory management for point of sale um so all of that was done manually so those were some of the things we started building um, uh, as a first software offering Uh, my university was very supportive about this uh, they gave us a big project to set up a training and placement um, okay. evaluation tool kind of a thing mm-hmm. so when companies come on campus to recruit students um, the placement department wanted to run 
tests so that you know students can be better prepared during the interviews mm-hmm. so we help build this online learning platform with a lot of resources to um, learn more but also take practice tests mm-hmm. and this was uh, uh, you know at its peak about 5000 students used to take these tests at the same time mm-hmm. so we help build that and then take it to uh, other universities um, likewise we got a couple of large um, contracts from um, uh, mini ratna and navratna companies a couple of them um, so it it was kind of an exciting time we knew that this is not something we wanted to do forever right. uh, but this was a time when at 19 20 years of age we both figured that you know uh, at least we are able to make our own money um, and and we were excited to it to do it too because we were learning a lot in the process okay so, so that was let, kind of the start of the journey yeah the so for the for the people who who don't know what navratna and mineratna are these are essentially state owned companies psus uh, i mean i mean for you guys to get orders from psus that that would have been a very big deal that would have been a real boost to shot uh, for you for, for a couple of college kids right yeah it was a big deal uh, in fact the first one that we um, got we primarily did it at uh, you know i can't even say a fraction of the cost because typically if they would want to contract this out to somebody else they would charge a lot of money uh, but there were even in these public sector uh, companies there are definitely certain people um, who you know want to support uh, uh, wanted to support a couple of young kids wanting to do something um, and we were able to prove that uh, you know by by uh, building applications that were scalable that were dependable um so that kind of opened up some doors for us so with all this uh, uh, being done by you both you you decided to go and get yourself a management degree how did that help you know how did how did you being in business help with you know uh, being in peace school yeah so i think over the course of time i figured i was more of a i mean i i still love technology i would probably continue to do whatever i do um, very close to technology products but i figured that probably i wasn't really the best um, developer uh, but i could really figure out a way to communicate uh, difficult technical problems in a rather simple way for others to understand so um, the mba thing um, was not i mean it was wasn't typically out of choice i i also had this tremendous amount of family pressure because none nobody in my family ever did business uh, but getting an mba degree was more of a push from my family and it was more for me to kind of get them off my back okay but it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because um, my two years at spjn uh, were definitely very exciting um uh, i i knew from the first month itself that i did not want to go with the uh, regular placement process so i started um, you know thinking about other ideas at that point i was already running this platform called the tech panda i had um, interviewed about 600 startup founders published about 2000 stories um so i had some understanding about how the startup ecosystem works and what people have been doing i've been trying to learn from other people's mistakes um and the the b school environment kind of gave me uh, this ability to brainstorm about these ideas with some of the best minds in the country because mm-hmm. i think i learned a tremendous amount from my peers in in school um than anything else and you know i i still um appreciate all the help that a, a bunch of my friends did because 
after a long day of classes we would still come back to our dorms and you know brainstorm about ideas that i had and they would help me figure out what's the best go to market strategy or what's the best product strategy and these are all people who had spent anywhere between 3 to 5 years in companies like uh, oracle google you know uh, mm. mckinsey and stuff like that um so it was definitely hugely helpful for me additionally i think um, the management at spgen was also super supportive um i i got a lot of um, um you know help from them to um skip classes sometimes and work on my product uh, or idea and you know not that i wasn't responsible for it i would still have to go back and make presentations and make sure that they get to see that i'm making progress on that project because right. i was still graded on it yeah um, and likewise we also introduced this new system where there was a small monetary support given to students who wanted to opt out of placements and do their own thing and if it doesn't work out for a year or two then they can come back and sit for placement so all of these things were introduced during my time there and um, the institute was definitely very supportive about um, getting more people to start uh, businesses right so now you spoke about a very important thing you know of you being under pressure uh, from your family to seek a normal job and did, did you at any point of time in your college days where the risk of being an entrepreneur did you even like lay out some odds in your mind the odds of failure versus having a safety net of a proper job yeah so um, i think um, it it's probably not true to say that uh, i did not understand what i was getting into i i had a fair idea i wasn't particularly great at taking failure though um, i mean ever since uh, my school days i've usually been a really good student and um, top 3 in class and stuff like that so i i don't i hadn't seen failure so i wasn't really sure what i was um, you know going against but you know in the first few years itself um, facing you know rejection from potential customers potential investors i quickly started to understand what i was getting into i think it was a even the mba program was more of a hit on that um, and i can call it probably ego or whatever um that i started to realize that you know uh, all of this failure is just a part of accepting who you are and what mm. you are and trying to learn from that process i think mm. till that point i hadn't really understood it um i was probably too naive at, at whatever 20 22 years old uh, to really understand what i was getting into but at that point even the stakes were not so high right like mm. a worst case scenario when you are 20 years old is things don't work and you still get a placement or a job yeah uh, which is why actually i encourage a lot of people who reach out to me who are students i encourage more people to start thinking about startups or products or even launch it while you are still in school whether it's engineering school or you know mba or any other program that you are in because that that's the point when you have when your the stakes against you are the lowest right? right as long as you can keep your grades maintained and find some time to do all this it's a good time to test the market and see if something's going to work and then you can take a more calculative risk whether you want to opt out of placements or you know jump into your startup rather than you know in a situation where when i was doing the study in my b school um, i was trying to find out why more people don't opt out of placements the biggest reason was one is b school education is tremendously expensive yes. and most people had a big financial loan including yeah. myself 
um, so it, it it kind of resists the so the stakes are kind of stacked against you more um, but once you end up in like a really good companies as well you you end up working in a good environment you get paid well it just makes it a lot more difficult to um, yeah. get out and start your company again not that it's a bad thing i mean uh, i mean i'm seeing that right now that working for somebody else is not necessarily a bad thing i don't see it as a bad thing as long as you are able to do something that you love doing yeah. you're getting paid for it you have much lesser pain to deal with yeah. um but you know while you are still in school it's still um and a relatively easier time to you know test out ideas by keeping your stakes low right so some very important points for for our younger listeners particularly always be an entrepreneur being an entrepreneur is should be your default setting rather than being a job seeker as you mentioned there's nothing wrong in holding down a job but just by being an entrepreneur you'll be able to help yourself help help the economy help the country particularly a country like india deserves uh, many many entrepreneurs because if you see if you look at the demographic of india i mean we are the most entrepreneurial country in the world i mean 40 maybe 60% of our workforce is self employed that proves that 60% of people don't think about the odds of failing right it's it's their everyday grind they self employed and they go out and do what they have to do and make a living off it so it's it's fantastic that you are in you, you are in a great atmosphere in in your from your engineering days with a supportive college then in your b school with fantastic coursemates and all that helped you start something like tech panda i mean talk us through uh, more about uh, tech panda yeah so um right out of engineering college when um, you know i was starting to think about something else to do um, i was also reading a lot more about startups and you know there was a platform that used to be called plugged in before and now it's called next big word like why the your story these were like popular platforms at that point uh, apart from obviously the popular global ones called techcrunch and the next web and stuff like that but these local um, india specific channels were something that i was following very closely uh, so that kind of uh, uh, gave me the idea that while they were doing a great job there was um, i mean there was still room for more such platforms to come up because there were a lot of uh, you know exciting projects going around and a lot of um, budding entrepreneurs who are starting different things so there was definitely scope to share more stories so right. i started the platform with the idea that i wanted to give more visibility to some of these stories i also wanted wanted it to be kind of like a learning uh, process for myself because at that point i didn't really know how to set up businesses how to run them you know what's good what's bad so it was kind of an exercise where one i wanted to meet more entrepreneurs learn from them get their stories out share it with the world and also help them get more visibility but it was kind of a two way street where you know there's some learning for in it, in it for me as well as all of my readers and hopefully uh, the idea was if the platform becomes big enough uh, the visibility helps some of these startups to get off the ground and maybe Uh, i've had so many startups who reach out to me to get a story published because it's going to help them look good in front of investors or you know help them raise money help them get in front of more customers so it was an exciting time to you know um, launch this platform and i over the period of 4 4 and a half years i got a chance to 
speak speak with about 600 odd um, entrepreneurs get their stories out um, you know uh, their learnings successes failures um, all of that compiled into a beautiful platform and you had a chance of uh, uh, and techmanda got acquired also uh, i mean that would have been a, that that would have been a real high for you yeah i mean um, actually the, the, it it was something that um, i i was hoping would happen soon because uh, um, when i was still running tech panda i ended up taking the mba program at sp gen uh, in my mind i thought i'd be able to balance both but the mba program was extremely intensive um, and i had a couple of people on my team at tech panda who were you know kind of holding the fort but we were starting to see engagement go down and we were starting to see lesser stories come up because i wasn't obviously able to spend enough time on it uh, that is when you know um, i got a chance to speak with conrad who runs uh, this uh, you know group of publications um, based in north america south america um, it's called espacio and uh, they were running multiple media publications they were willing to you know look at india as a new market to grow into because yeah. obviously they identified the opportunity as well um we had a good conversation i felt as a founder i felt that this project would be uh, much better in their hands than it was in mine um and uh, i'm i'm happy to see that you know um after you know selling tech panda they have continued to grow they have a dedicated team that's working on it and it looks great new stories getting published so definitely happy that it's still uh, still helping serve the community lovely so this is a great story i mean i would say uh, not bad for a kid from raipur uh, uh, i mean uh, for having started a, a blog and then having it acquired by somebody from from the americas it's fantastic i mean this proves that you could be from a, from a one horse town from from any place from, uh, you know uh, but still if you are if your heart is in the right place you know if you're focused enough you can go and acquire achieve a lot of things so from tech panda which is predominantly more on the media side of things you moved on to appnox and at appnox uh, you know you must have acquired a breadth of experience you of building a company managing people managing sales those would have been great times as well yeah i think um, appnox was more of uh, the first time when it actually felt uh, as if everything started to get more real and more serious uh, we were able to raise our first round of uh, investment um, a little over half a million dollars um, within the first few months of our uh, business in fact at that point we didn't even have uh, uh, enough paying customers we had a we had a prototype it was good um, the the thing that we were trying to achieve was also unique um, at that point nobody in india was doing that kind of business so we definitely attracted uh, a lot of investor attention we attracted uh, early business attention uh, this was also a time when i was still in uh, my mba school in my second year of uh, mba and that's when we started um it was an exciting time i mean um it it just happened to fall in place at the right time in the right place um both of my co-founders for appnox are uh, people whom i know for a long time Uh, almost 10 years now and we studied engineering together so there was obviously that kind of rapo um we went on with our own lives in different ways and kind of ended up um meeting each other again and then brainstorming about this idea 
and um, I got a chance to kind of um, help take it forward from a business and marketing perspective uh, in the early stages. And um, it was definitely an exciting opportunity. Over the last four years, we grew it to a much more um, responsible and sustainable business. Um, unlike a lot of the other um, new age startups, we try to focus more on um, profitability, sustainable growth. Um, and over the course of time, we've um, seen the team grow to a little over 20 people. Right. And while you guys were at it, I had a ringside view of what was happening. And I can attest to whatever you have just said. So, yeah, that's how we crossed paths. Uh, I mean, uh, Appnox is where I first met you. And, yeah, uh, yeah and those were, uh, you know, uh, the initial days of uh, uh, my, my entrepreneurial journey as well. Right. So, and um, I clearly remember you guys uh, just graduating out of the Microsoft Accelerator scheme and, uh, you know, us waiting for you to come down from Mumbai to Bangalore, you know, uh, finishing yeah. your B school. Yeah, those were uh, uh, good times. Now, you actually mentioned about raising a seed round for Appnox. Just tell us how hard or it, it won't have been easy. Just tell us how hard it was to actually. Uh, get in a seed round raising money is never easy um I, I irrespective of like if you read a lot of news you would think uh, you know that it's not a very difficult thing to do so many people are raising money um it it i mean i think we had that mindset too that um, you know we were young entrepreneurs and we thought we had a brilliant idea and uh, uh, we really felt that we would be able to raise money quickly Although at some point, I think we were still lucky and we were able to raise uh, money uh, relatively easier than uh, other people. But the journey itself to um, raise money was uh, not uh, quite easy. I mean, you've been uh, part of this uh, journey from the early on, even before we actually had like the proper registration and stuff done. Um, you've been you know, helping us on the account side, on the finance side, uh, you've been helping us, you know, get all of these things in place. So you definitely know uh, that it was not an easy journey. But uh, one of the things that helped us was we were part of this um, incubator in Singapore, uh, where we spent about four months trying to uh, work the first, um, kind of like the first prototype for the product. And they have this uh, demo day towards the end of it where they invite a lot of um, popular entrepreneurs and, uh, you know, startups presenting. But there's also a wide range of investors who come to check out these new new startups. That's where we got significant amount of um, investor interest because uh, people felt we were solving um, uh, the problem um, that was clearly identified. Uh, there was absolutely no local competition at that point in India, Southeast Asia. Uh, that kind of positioned us a lot better and that kind of opened up uh, our conversations and uh, eventually jungle ventures uh, was able to go ahead and lead around uh, yeah so that's again uh, there's a lot to uh, you know observe and learn from what you've just said that always build products which are not already existing always ensure that you have a go-to-market strategy and how did you go about selling because you specialize uh, you know, uh, in sales and marketing. Yeah, I think um, that was one of the difficult parts here because, um, you know, uh, just to give context, uh, Appnox is primarily a 
security analysis solution where um, if you are a business and you have a mobile application, uh, you can use the AppNox platform to discover security issues in your apps and also follow suggestions on how to resolve them. The challenge was that most businesses never thought that this is a problem. So right. in our early days, most of the education or most of the effort used to go behind, you know, trying to get uh, uh, people to understand, uh, you know, uh, what is the problem? Why is it there? And uh, why is it something that they need to address? Um, so one thing good was that on the AppNox side, we could analyze applications and go with a, a pre-created report. Yeah. So that helped us yeah. open up a lot of conversations. So definitely, I mean, as you're starting to build new products or you're trying to, you know, launch something that is difficult to comprehend and understand, it helps if you can create um, an example or, a, or some way to visualize that for the person in front of you. So that kind of helped us get some early conversations started and most people would say, okay, yeah, let's meet and talk. I want to know what issues you found in our app and, we'll take it ahead from there. So um, it was difficult, but we were able to get a lot of doors to open. Yeah, that's a great way to sell. Show people how vulnerable they are and help them uh, tighten the uh, bolts. I mean, that's a fantastic strategy. So at AppNox, uh, I mean, you took the lead on content marketing. So I just want to break this down. So first off, uh, I just want to know, what divides sales and marketing? So people tend to use these terms interchangeably, which I know is not the case. So one, I'd like to know from you the differences between these two. And specifically when it comes to marketing, uh, how, uh, let's talk more about how content marketing can help any business. Okay, so um, how sales and marketing are different, uh, you know, the the, uh, the distinction uh, becomes kind of, um, you know, you could, it, it different, the difference is between different industries also. Like, for example, take the case of an FMCG company. When you say sales, these are people on the ground who are making sure that um, orders are fulfilled and, you know, there is enough stock in the stores and you go out, sell to your distributors and, you know, make them sell to the end store from where the people are buying. Marketing, on the other hand, would help build the brand, create advertisements, all the TV ads, commercials and stuff that you would see, figure out how to position the product, what should be the product packaging, what color works best for your product, you know, how does the end user use it and consume it and stuff like that. Uh, it's kind of the same way in B2B context as well. Um, the marketing guy's job is to primarily understand the customer, understand their behavior, try to understand what the buyer persona looks like, um, try to figure out what product um, messaging and what statement would resonate the best with them. Okay. And then you empower your sales team with all of this information and knowledge to go position this product in the best way, pitch it in the best way and try to bring in money for the company. So the sales guys essentially are responsible for driving money in a B2B context. Right. Uh, the, the line kind of thins when um, you talk about SaaS businesses, which are primarily all, um, uh, the sales is primarily online driven, where it, there's rarely a sales guy who would, who you would talk to to buy a $10 per month product mm -hmm. or whatever, right? Because the mm -hmm. unit economics don't make sense in that yeah, uh, way. Yeah. So that way, the, the, the line between sales and marketing kind of merge, merges where uh, 
uh, essentially marketing is the one also driving demand, um, which is a standard function for marketing to do. But instead of sales taking that demand ahead and closing it into a customer, you would rely on marketing or product automation to help close that loop and get the money in. Okay. So that's kind of a, in a simple way, the difference between sales and marketing, but increasingly, um, I mean, we realize at AppNox as well that, you know, sales and marketing needs to work more closely than ever. Mm-hmm. There are numerous ways uh, you can do that. And uh, content is definitely one of those ways where, you know, the sales guys are the ones who are uh, primarily interfacing with customers or potential customers on a daily basis. They are the ones hitting the roadblocks more often. Um, and they're the ones who can bring this uh, on the field knowledge back into the drawing board and, you know, mm-hmm. communicate to the marketing guys to come up with content ideas that help address those concerns and those objections. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's where content does a great job, whether it's a report, a white paper, you know, uh, a podcast like this one yeah. or, um, you know, webinars and stuff, all of them are useful ways in which, uh, businesses can address a lot of these buying concerns, right? Like um, identifying or um, educating the industry about a particular problem, um, you know, helping them move further down the funnel and make a purchase decision is all, you know, kind of um, uh, content can help you push uh, a lead in different stages based on the kind of content that you create. Um yeah, I mean, in fact, you know, coincidentally, the, the times that we are in right now uh, mm-hmm. with COVID-19 and most yeah. people, uh, you know, restrained to their homes right now, mm-hmm. uh, the the amount of time people are consuming in front of their phones and their laptops is tremendously high. Yeah. yeah. And this is a great time to actually leverage content, uh, not from a, you know, goal to get more sales or take advantage of the moment, but this is a time when you can... Um, get your potential buyers to spend more time on education and on content where, um, you know, they weren't able to spend time before. So now right. is a great time to do podcasts, great time to do webinars, great time to do long form content right. because people have more time to consume this kind of uh, information. Right, right. So for all businesses out there, it's critical that you offer your content. It could be, as Patek mentioned, it could be anything. It could be bite-sized videos to podcasts to uh, blogs and uh, one more important thing I want to touch upon is you know your as an organization your marketing efforts don't end with just creating content but it has to be distributed well as uh, okay. as well as any any anything that you find so how does uh, any business plan on distributing uh, this content what would be your like top one or two things platforms to distribute content? Yeah, I, I don't think there is a simple one way works for all kind of an answer to this because end of the day, it depends what kind of business you are. But the way you find the answer to this question is uh, the, 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 the thing to find out is where do you go find your customers, right? right? Like if the first step is to know who you have created this content for And where do you find this person on a regular basis? So for example, in our case, in the case of AppNox, and even uh, in the case of Intertrust, when I'm selling security products, we are ideally trying to sell to more CIOs, CISOs, CTOs, people in the tech and the security side of businesses who are decision makers. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've identified these are the people you want to reach out to, the next step is to know 
what do these people consume on a daily basis so that you can get into their visibility zone right so right. there are numerous security publications where if you have a piece of white paper or if you've produced a piece of content or if it's a webinar you partner with certain of these publications and try to get your content in front as well mm-hmm. right so that is one way where you know that oh this is a publication that cios and ceos regularly read if i get more of my content on that platform it helps get more visibility for my business mm-hmm. the other way is obviously there are numerous ad platforms like the facebook has a ad platform google does linkedin does so for example you could use linkedin to run a really targeted campaign towards cios and ceos and in a particular industry in a particular geography mm-hmm. and promote a particular white paper or a report that you think is very valuable for uh, cios or ceos from and and that it helps solve a particular problem that they face on a daily basis that way you not only get visibility in front of them uh, some of those who download this report for you also become potential leads that your sales guys can eventually work on yeah so that's another way you can you know get your content in front of the right audience wow that's that's fantastic those are great, some great pointers to on on how to distribute your content uh yeah uh, so now uh, let's talk a bit about your current role at intertrust uh, you've been an entrepreneur for most part of your life so how does it feel now to be uh, employed uh, you know like uh, most other people in the world yeah i think for me this is uh, the first time that um, i actually tell my teammates also this is my first uh, real job working for somebody else um and um i was um, definitely a lot more concerned when i was uh, making this transition um it was not something that i had ever thought i would do uh, but it's turned out really great and exciting because um, one is intertrust is um, not a very large company we are a small nimble but uh, with a tremendous footprint in terms of the impact that our products create around the world um so that way we still work as a really small company things move fast and um, you know everybody gets to play uh, multiple roles so for example even for myself um, you know i i head product marketing for our security groups i also lead the growth team uh, i also do special projects which is basically a way to say that anything that the business needs attention i go pick it up and start trying to find a way to solve a particular problem so it kind of makes me still feel as if um, you know i get to do a lot of different things and i think that is what used to keep me excited as an entrepreneur also because every day there is some new challenge and you have to you know put on a new hat and go solve that problem right yeah. so this company is kind of giving me the same kind of an experience and um, every day i'm excited to get up of my out of my seat and you know go to the office um obviously not in these times uh, since we are all constrained to our homes but um it it's still an exciting uh, moment to be in the products are um, um some of the products are really futuristic and it's exciting to be part of a journey where you can try to see how we are making an impact on certain things like um electric cars and renewable energy and you know obviously security um so it's 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 exciting lovely so now i think uh, problem solving will be the most sought after skill in the next uh, 25 years maybe so it's fantastic that you know you have been able to transition from one role 
to another seamlessly bringing in you know what the skills that you have earned in the previous role to the current one and picking up a lot more and moving on to your next one so yeah. um, and i would like to thank you pratik for uh, giving us the time and sharing your uh, journey it's been uh, fantastic having you on the podcast and um, i hope you stay indoors and uh, stay safe and uh, we'll see you out on the other side yeah it's been a pleasure to be on this show and thank you for having me um you know that i'm always uh, happy to speak to more people who are who need help with their you know with their startups or anything else and you know who are on the fence about starting up and you know need some help and support um i i i love um, you know talking to more people to help them um, and encourage them because in my early days i i had uh, a good uh, you know support ecosystem that helped me you know move ahead uh, slowly um and yeah it's time to kind of give give that back to other people who are you know um still trying to figure their way out of this journey okay. so thanks a lot for having me it's been a pleasure see you soon right take care be safe bye 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 thanks for listening hope you like the show this episode was brought to you by integra books Integra Books provides a business owner with a unique solution which combines an easy to use accounting software with a dedicated accountant. Integra Books is an authorized partner of Zoho. With Zoho's 40 plus apps, you can put your entire business on the cloud. For more on what we do, please visit integrabooks.co or drop in a line to contact@integrabooks.co. Our social media links are in the description box below. So get in touch with Integra Books to transform your business.